Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. We're almost there. Face off in about half an hour. Canada, United States for gold at the World Juniors at Rogers Place. Earlier today, Finland getting the bronze medal 4-1 win over Russia. Dave Leopard texting in to 780-496-0063. says, I'm pumped for the World Junior game. Go Canada. I've been really impressed with Caden Gooley, the defenseman. He's solid, calm with the puck, and pushes the play forward. I heard he is a local product. Dave, he uh, is a local product. He's from Sherwood Park. He was uh, drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. We had him on Inside Sports a couple days after he was uh, selected in the first round. I, and I do think he's uh, he's looked pretty good. Now, having said that, I, I would argue that pretty much every Canadian on the roster has looked very good. This is a powerhouse team, 20 first-round picks. Uh, I mean, the guy who might have been the best player, uh, was speculated to be the best player going in, Kirby Doc got hurt in a pre-tournament game. Uh, he's another local kid and hasn't uh, obviously been in the tournament, and Canada's still been firing away. you, you got to favor them tonight. I don't think I'm being cocky. I think I'm just recognizing that uh, this is an awesome team, and hopefully they finish it off tonight. Speaking of uh, high draft picks, this guy went 27th overall in 2001 to the Philadelphia Flyers and played in some uh, pretty big games, including some at the World Juniors. Please welcome back to Inside Sports, the pride of Vermilion, Alberta. Well, one of them, I guess, Jeff, we got to recognize Becky Scott won a few Olympic medals. <laughs> but, but you betcha, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, former NHL defenseman Jeff Wawitka. And that's not a knock against you. I just, as I was saying that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Even Jeff's going to tell me uh, Becky Scott's probably. <laughs> no, she she worked hard and she's well-deserved of that. So she deserves a lot of uh, respect, too. Absolutely. How's uh, how's life uh, been for you? Uh, you know, I know uh, you've moved on to other uh, other adventures in the sport of hockey after your playing career ended. So I, I'm, I'm sure the way things have been going have had effect, an effect on you as well. Yeah, you bet. You know, I would, uh, well, uh, with the Sherwood Parker Saders, the assistant coach there. So uh, we ended up starting there, played a few exhibition games and a few league games and then got shut down um just before uh just before christmas so it's it's been uh it's been a little bit of a downtime but i've been spending it out in a little bit of time on vermilion here and been on the outdoor rink quite a bit with my nieces and nephews and it's actually been really nice just to get away and get out of the city well that's good good to hear you're making the most of it how have you enjoyed being on the cruise coaching staff obviously a really strong franchise in the aj after the last few years how do you enjoy that and uh, working with that level of player well, actually, it's been good. You know, the program, I've been there for, this will be my fifth year as, uh, as a coach there, and it's it's been great. We've uh, we've done a good job, uh, developed a lot of good players along the way. It took some time to get to where we are, but uh, we're really happy with what direction we're headed as far as moving kids on to the NCAA, uh, getting kids drafted uh, with Benning and Savoy. Those were two high pieces for us, and they've done a lot of the heavy lifting as far as made, making our jobs pretty easy as far as recruiting and getting players to want to come play for us so 
you know, you need players like that in to attract players, and and we got to do hold up our end of the bargain as far as developing them. But we've had some good kids come through there, and hopefully, we can continue this after uh, the new year. You know, I I've asked quite a few people this over the course of the last few months, so hopefully, listeners aren't are getting sick of me asking it. But I think it's very relevant. Well, just about like if some of the defensemen now. And, and I always refer to Makar and Hughes and Haskin and, and all these guys. We'll see what the Oilers have with Bouchard and Broberg. Yeah. But, you know, like these guys, these guys can fly. And, and you look at the fence scores now, it's not, okay, there's one offensive guy, one kind of offensive guy, and four bruisers. It's now like there's four offensive guys and two bruisers. Yeah. It's, it's like totally flipped. Yeah, I think the way uh... – I think as a defenseman now, I think the way you handle defenseman is almost like a forward. And the drills you do, whether it's in split time or whether you're practicing, you do drills that you know forwards would do. You get them involved. You want them active in the rush. You want them active in the, in the offensive zone. You want them being creative. Uh, their footwork has got to be remarkable. They got to be able to make, you know, when they go back and retrieve pucks, they got to make sure they're getting up to the forwards quick. They get their heads up and then they get their feet moving to close the gaps and also create offensive uh, chances. So I think a lot of the work uh, that I'm doing with, with RD and, you know, with the young players is getting them to act almost like forwards where they're, where they're, you know, their, their instincts allow them to do that as far as their skating and their mobility. And like you said, uh, Makar and Hughes, those are two prime examples. They just play with so much pace and, and their edges are so good and they just find shooting lanes. And it's just hard to handle guys like that. And, you know, even when you look at Canada's defense this year, you got guys there that are mobile and it's, they got one of the best defensive cores I've seen at that tournament and they're going to be tough to handle. Well, and I wonder from an Oilers perspective, what Tyson Berry is going to add. And I, I really like that addition. I think he could be on the power play and he can pass, which is important, but also you got to factor in who he's passing to. I mean, he's probably going to be on five on five quite a bit with at least yeah. one of Nugent Hopkins, McDavid or Dreisaitl. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a guy that, you know, if he's put in the right situation, he can, you know, when you get guys like Drysaddle and McDavid the puck, all you got to do as a defenseman is get him the puck and then find a way to get up there and, and keep plays alive, live in the offensive zone because they do like to, you know, uh, make plays, hang, hang on to pucks. But if you have a creative back end, you can create spaces, create switches. That makes it really tough on on uh, on teams in the D zone because it's, it's hard no matter, I don't care how good you are, it's, when you have to start calling switches or follow guys and, and you know, add more talk into it, it gets hard and, and hard to defend for sure. Jeff Wawitka joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. He played uh, 278 NHL games. He was, well, you were an Edmonton roadrunner, I guess. I mean, you yeah. were an oiler, but you didn't, yeah. you didn't get yeah. into a game. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, of, and, of course, uh, some stops in Europe along the way in American Hockey League. Yeah. A varied career, which included, of course, uh, an appearance on the Canadian World Junior Team back yeah. in 2003, the tournament in Halifax, and you were part of a memorable Canada-United States game. Hmm, you, you may have scored a relatively important goal in that semifinal, right? Yeah, no, it was good. I still remember it. Obviously, today's game, it's uh, that game was in the semifinal, but this one's obviously for the gold medal. But just the Canada-U.S. rival, it's it looks like 
to me, it looks like if there's any team that can maybe slow down Canada a bit, which I don't think there is for many teams, it could be the U.S. So I'm hoping for a good game. Obviously, I think Canada still has the edge as far as their, you know, the way they play, the way they're hard on the puck, and and the way they forecheck. You know, they play a heavy game. You know, the game still needs skill, but you still need that guy who. Who, whoever wants the puck more is going to win at the end of the night. I think that's something even when you look at the Russians, they were missing uh, last night. They they looked like they were too much on the perimeter. They looked skilled, but at the end of the day, you still got to get the job done and get the puck in the net. Okay, I got to remind people of the goal. So January 3rd, 2003, Canada beats the United States 3-2. Uh, your winning goal coming with about uh, eight and a half minutes left in the third yeah. people. Remind people... Uh, of, of like I, I can remember it, but I, I want to hear your memories and yeah. description of it. Well, I just remember I'm watching the replays and just the whole you know sold out building. I don't know if there were sixteen or seventeen thousand in the building at that time, and just the atmosphere was crazy the whole game. And coming down to the wire, I just remember moving the puck D to D in the neutral zone, and then. I think it was Cole Yakovel firing up a puck to 2-2, which he let it go by him and let him go into the zone, and he was forechecking, and I think he was forechecking Suter at the time, and he, and Suter kind of gave him a face wash and threw him down, and then Wisniewski kind of hard-rimmed it, and Stajan picked it off on the far side of the net, and I kind of snuck down the, the slot, and Stajan made a... Stajan made a uh, beautiful pass and I found the opening through the slot and then went in and to this day you know you get at the puck in that in that position you're just praying it goes in I guess and you hope you can control it and just find a way to put it in and it went in and and um, you know it was a pretty special moment for me and obviously my teammates because I just remember our team and our bench was going crazy and and to do that to the U.S. is even more special because I know it's a huge rivalry and and uh, that's, you know, that, that was the highlight for sure of that tournament for me. Yeah. Well, 3-2 over the States. Uh, the gold medal game was, was a really good game as well. Russia wound up just edging you guys 3-2 yeah. with, with a couple goals in the third. You know, I, I know you have such great memories of that tournament, but I, I know it can be a lot of pressure on some of the young men going in there and Canada's kind of expected to win do you remember what it was like when it, when it all ended? Like, was there any positive energy you could take out of it after that gold medal game and, and the few days after? Well, I think just, you know, anytime you throw in the Canada jersey and when you get to the, you know, especially, you know, obviously Canada's main goal is to win the gold. and uh, But when you get to the final, obviously, you know, you look at the Russians and, and Finland today, you know, Finland... Because it's, you know still a hard hard medal to win and when you get to the gold gold medal game you know it's it's hard fought and it's a one shot one one opportunity and you know you just want to make sure you're taking care of what you can control and and uh, i guess focus on every shift and you know it, it really tests you as a young player as far as your emotions and and handling yourself because you know we're still you know young kids and just still trying to find our way and what these kids are going to learn through this game tonight is going to be remarkable whether it's moving on to be hockey players and make money or helping them in the everyday work life they're going to be able to handle anything that's thrown at them yeah that's a great way to put it it's uh it's handling a lot of pressure at a very young age at 17 or uh 18 to have a whole country hanging on uh like i I thought that was (laughs) 
Like I, I thought that was excessive. The, the, the one in Vancouver where the the guy was stopped on a penalty shot, and I think it was a, ma- yeah. a minority of Canadian fans. I think most of us get it, but it's like it's like the guy missed the, the like the goalie made a save. Like the goalie yeah. stopped seventy percent of penalty shots yeah. anyway. I, I was I, I again, it was a small minority of Canadian yeah. fans, but it was disappointing some of the people that went after that young man. Yeah, it's no, it's not obviously. You know what what anybody has planned, and obviously there's like you said, there's a lot of pressure, and you know the team puts the country on their back, and they want to do them proud. And you know they still drop the puck at every game, and the other team's trying too. So it's it's one of those things where uh, you got to catch a few breaks along the way and capitalize on your chances, and you need and you need things to go your way, but and you need you know players to get the job done and good leaders and you know it seems like this year Canada's headed in that direction and looks like you know it should turn out to be a pretty good game but I'm obviously I think Canada has the edge. Jeff, uh, before I let you go, you know this, the puck's going to drop on the NHL season next Wednesday, a season unlike any other. It's shorter, yeah. but we're going to see the same teams. <laughs> Yeah. Over and over again. I mean, you yep. would, I mean, you mentioned Canada US rivalry. Certainly when you played Red Deer in the dub, you would have had rivalries. Yep. And uh in the NHL, you got to be part of uh, you know, Rangers Islanders for a bit, and you know, probably Blues and yep. Blackhawks didn't like each other at that time yep. when you were a, a St. Louis Blue. Can you like what can you imagine what this North All Canadian division is gonna be like? Well, I think it's gonna be fantastic. Obviously, it's gonna be, you know rivalries and when you start playing the team so much you're gonna obviously it's gonna come to the point where you know you're just gonna hate the opponent and you're just gonna you know it's gonna be obviously a change but i think for the canadian market i don't think you can ask for anything better because i think people out there and anybody who watches hockey what they want to see teams play canadian teams and whenever that turns on people are tuned in and i think the Canadian teams as a whole now, there's some excitement, there's some good players, and it's going to lead to some pretty good hockey um, uh, down the stretch. Obviously, it's going to be, you know, a tightened schedule. We're going to be playing a lot more close games and tighter games and not too, not too many days off, so you're going to really have to take care of yourself and, and understand that. But these players, are they're pros, they're getting paid, and it's going to be, it's I like the way they're doing it, and it's going to lead to some good hockey. Yeah, and I think it'll be close. Like Jack Michaels was on last night, and I think Ottawa's going to finish last, but I don't think they'll yeah. be a doormat. You know, I th- nope. they made some nice changes. I think they'll be exciting. Absolutely. Every team in, like, even Montreal, like what they did even in, uh, in the bubble when they were playing uh, in the playoffs, they've, they've surprised a lot of people. And just the changes that, you know, the Oilers have made, the Canucks have made, uh, obviously, the Leafs are, you know, we're still waiting for them to <laughs> blow up here and, and do something, uh, you know, to exceed ex- expectations on their end. But I think, you know, the Canadian teams are built uh, to play tough and, and play hard. And there's, you know, some of the best young players are in the Canadian division. So it's going to be unreal to watch. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, it, it's awesome to catch up with you. Thanks for checking in from Vermilion. Glad you're having a you nice bet. time in your hometown. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we're talking some Crusaders and AJHL <laughs> along the way as, uh, as well. I still got a lot of love for that league, man. Thanks a lot for checking you, in. You bet, Reed. Thanks for uh, getting a hold of me, and you take care. Right on. That is Jeff Wawitka checking in tonight. Love talking to him with some uh, world junior memories and uh, some thoughts on uh, all the high-skilled defensemen in the NHL and his work with the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders over the last few years. Andrew and Kirsten texting in from Leduc saying they are so pumped for this game. Go Canada, go. 
And they're also saying they decided to get a 50-50 because they were listening to Inside Sports tonight. Well, I wish I could say every person who bought a 50-50 was listening to Inside Sports because then I would have uh, millions of listeners (laughs) because the 50-50 pot is now at $11.7 million. Winner gets half. You can buy until 10 o'clock, hockeycanada.ca slash 50-50. Tracy emailed back who was having some trouble getting on before, and uh, she got a ticket. She said she cleared her her cookies and refreshed the page. Did that sound inappropriate? She cleared her cookies? I hope not. 780-496-0063 to call or text. We're back after the break. tuning in oh they're dropping the puck in about 11 or 12 minutes at rogers place canada and the united states of course we'll keep you updated on inside sports until uh until eight o'clock can you humor me and like leave the radio on until eight (laughs) well you can watch the game at the same time uh fred is on the line hi fred what's going on well, to all the people that bought uh, 50-50 tickets, I'm sorry to say, but I got this really good feeling I'm going to win it tonight. So I will be collecting. i got to find out how I go collect the checks. I'm pretty excited about this. But anyway, I was driving down right by Rogers Place because I live downtown, and there's a bunch of guys out there with the Canadian flags. So I get home, I find an old Canadian flag hanging there. I pull up my Team Canada jersey, Team Canada hat, and I went and joined them. Oh, good. Oh, it was fun. Uh, we saw the American team get off the bus, but uh, they rushed into the hotel quick. Let's put it that way. But you know what I can't believe is Kevin Levi is a seventh-round draft pick. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Wow. Yeah, it's the, the, whole, the whole team is almost all first-rounders, like 20 of them, and then he's a seventh-rounder. And I, I've been really impressed with him. Like I said earlier, very steady, doesn't panic is you know doesn't flop around in the net he's he's been excellent and there you know there have been times canada's been under a little bit of pressure they usually have the lead but he's made sure they've kept it well that's what i was going to bring up uh the goalies nowadays they're all flopping all over the ice he's old school he's stand up he might go down the odd time but he's standing up like old martin roder used to stand up i can't believe he's seventh seventh round overall i just that blows my mind but the boys are looking really good and it's going to take a astronomical effort by the americans to beat us and i don't think it's going to happen but hey that's why they play the game one other point uh, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. John Muckler, uh, I met him a couple times back in the day. Rest in peace, one of the smartest hockey minds ever. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think of the Oilers? Are you op- you're, you? I know you try really hard to be optimistic. How are you feeling? Uh, well, optimistic every year. We haven't lost a game yet. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Fred. Take care. Bye. <laughs> well, I, I have said that before. If you're a sports fan and you're not optimistic before the season starts, why are you a fan? Right? I mean, hey, all those optimistic Cleveland Browns fans can say to the pessimistic ones, see, we're going to the playoffs. That'll be a fun one Sunday night. Browns, unfortunately, won't have their uh, head coach for that game. He has COVID. Okay, 780-496-0063. We're going to go around the country, too, to get you ready from uh, what's going on with other 
NHL markets. We'll go to Winnipeg with Kelly Moore, some some drama there with Patrick Line. And speaking of World Juniors, Kelly did play-by-play for that uh, final game there, about 20. 20- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply years ago where Roberto Luongo stood on his head. Coming up next. James Neal once again not on the ice today, though I did spot him in uh, street clothes and a mask outside one of the dressing rooms at Nate as the Oilers were on the ice. Still no Haas, no uh, Cahoon, no Devon Shore either, though it sounds like Devon Shore will be on the ice tomorrow. So keep uh, you can follow me on Twitter for that. And uh, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Gold medal game is about to start at Rogers Place. Finland beat Russia. 4-1 to win the bronze. I am pleased to welcome back to the show from our sister station in Winnipeg, the mighty CJOB. It is Kelly Moore checking in tonight. Kelly, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? I am well, sir. You? I'm doing very well. Thanks for uh, doing this while the game is starting. So I'm glad you can multitask and watch the game and talk to me at the same time. Uh, yeah. But this is. <laughs> I, I was telling Dave Campbell earlier today. I said, if Canada scores while I'm on the air, I will not be responsible for pinning the needle. <laughs> That's that 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 is perfectly fine. I I accept that. And this brings back some cool memories for you. Oh, uh, boy, January yeah. January fifth, nineteen ninety nine. Did you not do play by play gold medal game in Winnipeg, Canada, Russia? I certainly have the great privilege of calling the games that year, including that gold medal final. Uh, Former NHLer Randy Gillen was my uh, color analyst for the broadcast, and uh, I I still remember Brian Allen scoring the tying goal to our broadcast right, and that was in the third period. And then in the overtime, the late Artem Chubarov scored the winning goal for Russia against Roberto Luongo, and uh, it was such a memorable, memorable time. Winnipeg really embraced that tournament, Reid. They really did. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great tournament. And one thing I remember about that final game, now obviously I, th- I think I was watching that back at uh, my parents north of Evansburg, so I was not listening to the CGOB feed, I'm sorry. But you, 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 you. I believe the, the phrase you would have used the most that night was great save by Luongo. Yeah, he really did guide that game into overtime. There's no doubt about that. Uh, uh, I, I would say Roberto was Canada's best player in that tournament and uh, was the reason they were, well, although they they really did dominate the Swedes in the semifinal. The Sedin twins actually played uh, for Sweden in that game. Uh, but the Russians were just too strong. And, uh, and and I think it was the top of the left face-off circle that Chubara finally beat Luongo on, if memory serves me correct. Yeah, yeah, that that was a fun one. That Canadian team, I mean, not I'm looking back, not great in the round robin. I, like I know they still finished second, but they had a rare scoreless tie against Slovakia. Uh, and the states, uh, the states took it to them on New Year's Eve. It was five two for the USA. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that, uh, that scoreless tie against Slovakia, that was actually played in Brandon at the Keystone Centre. And uh, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon, if, if memory serves me correct. And, uh, you know, Luongo had to make some big saves there. Otherwise, the Slovaks might have pulled off an upset. And, you know, Reed, it's kind of funny. Over the years, how different teams have been embraced, you know, the visiting teams, like I remember the Danes in, in Toronto, about five years ago, I guess. I remember uh, one year, the Slovakians, uh, I think that might have been in Montreal. And, and Team Slovakia, Marian Gabrik was the uh, star. He was only 16 years old in that tournament. But uh, Manitoba and Winnipeg actually, absolutely came to love that team, Reed. It was, it was really cool. And when they won the bronze medal... <laughs> It was, it was like they had won the Stanley Cup. It was that kind of a, a celebration by the Slovaks. Well, and you referenced Canada playing a game in Brandon. There were some games in Selkirk, uh, Portage La Prairie, I think Morden. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know where Morden, Manitoba is. This doesn't happen anymore. Like the World Juniors in Red Deer in 95 were in, also in places like, you know, Leduc and some AJHL rinks. This doesn't happen anymore. I mean, this year would have been Edmonton and Red Deer. It'll be that way next year. So this tournament in Manitoba still had a bit of that format where they went to some smaller places. Yeah, I think it might have been the last one. And, and probably a lot of it, Reed, has to do with the fact that, let's face it, you know, as much as the World Junior Tournament is played by teenagers, it is a <laughs> let's put it this way it is a it is a big man's event now in terms of the amount of money uh that it uh, that it generates for hockey canada so and it's really too bad morden by the way uh would be 114 kilometers to the south and to the east of winnipeg all right well i have learned something today i just looked it up it's yeah, uh just, just oh it's relatively big it's yeah. like 10 it's almost 10,000 people i think yeah, or it, yeah, no, it's not very big, but Morden and Winkler, uh, there's not a lot of distance separating them. I think it's like five kilometers that separates them. So, you know, there, there would probably, between the two communities, I would think there might be close to 15, 20,000 people. Uh, and I think Carmen also might have hosted a game, and it's a little further to the west of, uh, of Winkler and, and Morden. So, yeah, the, the, the satellite games were absolutely fantastic. And I, I, if memory, oh, I know Kazakhstan was one of the teams that played in Carmen, and it was a great, a quick story. And again, I, it's a it's a long time ago, so I hope I have the details right. But the Kazakhs uh, were a little short on hockey equipment, and if memory serves me correct, Carmen Minor Hockey put together a quick uh, gear raising drive, if you will, and and I think they supplied that team with some sticks and gloves, and uh, you know those are the kind of things that last an absolute lifetime like if you went down to Carmen Reed and you asked them about the 99 World Junior Tournament I'll bet you that's the first thing that they would remember <laughs> that is awesome Kelly Moore joining us from CGOB Sports in Winnipeg as he's given us some uh, World Junior memories of the tournament there in 99 Canada USA 94 seconds in no score at Rogers Place okay we're, we're wrapping up for the NHL season so we want to bring fans some stories from across the country so what is going on in Winnipeg? Like, why am I seeing these uh, tweets from you and reporters there? Oh, line A, not talking about trade rumor, not clear. Like, what, what is going on with this guy and, and the team? Well, 
You know, who, when was the last time, Reed, that a player who had been rumored to want a trade showed up at training camp and when questioned about that, did anything but stick handle? Has there ever been a player that has said, yeah, I, I want to be traded. I'm sick and tired of being around here, so I'm just counting the days until somebody gets something done. Have we ever, ever heard that? No, not really. I mean, well, Duchesne a couple of years ago was close when he just came out and said, I just came out because I had to come out and yeah, <laughs> walked away. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and, and so, but, but he never, ever did admit, though, right. that, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be traded. You know, he, and, and, and I wasn't surprised in the least uh, with how Patrick Lyonnais responded to the questioning. Um, there's times when I wish, you know, if he said, you know, yeah, my agent talked out of turn, but what player is going to throw his agent under the bus? Mm-hmm. So it's a no-win situation for him. It was kind of interesting because there was, uh, at least there was the understanding uh, going into training camp that Patrick Lyonet was not going to be made available until about three or four days into training camp. And then all of a sudden we're told, hey, Patrick Lyonet is going to speak today. So uh, I don't know if he just said, you know what, let's get this out of the way. Or if the uh, the team's communication staff said, Patrick, we've told the media, you know, that uh, that you're not going to speak for a few days, and and you know, but do you want to go and and get it over with now? Like, who knows what that conversation was? But uh, it was a little different than what uh, we had certainly been uh, told to expect. And I guess the one thing I I will say about this is, you know, Kevin Shovelday off has shown over the years that he will not get bullied into making a trade uh, if he does make a deal you know he'll uh, he'll certainly do it with the idea that his uh, hockey club's going to come out of the uh, out of it the better of it now you could certainly look at the Evander Kane trade with Buffalo and and I thought the Jets won that by a significant margin uh, with the Rangers time will tell uh, you know Jacob Truba had a so-so season with the Blue Shirts last year and Neil Pionk was a real revelation here so you know I'd say maybe the scales are tilted ever so slightly in Winnipeg's favor but if Billy Hainola uh, he's shown us what he could do in the World Junior Tournament. If he continues to, to do that as his professional career moves along, then all of a sudden you have to say, hmm, maybe the Jets didn't get smoked in that deal after all. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. What, what, is there any sense of what the issue is for Line A? Well, it's been it's been said that he feels disrespected. That you know he's been playing on the second line, and uh, you know he uh, he feels that as one of the team's best players, he should be playing with the best players, and but he hasn't been used that much with Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler. Uh, but you know, certainly when when you take a look at how it looks this year. And, of course, there was the storyline that the Jets went out and got Paul Stastny to placate Patrick Lyonnais. I would argue the Jets went out and got Paul Stastny to be a better team because they needed a second-line center. And the 
very, very reasonable price they had to pay to Vegas to get him. Uh, how could you not possibly want to make that deal? So the way that it's shaken out in the first couple of days of training camp, and Paul Maurice said yesterday when he was asked about it, you know, is he, are you going to keep these forward combinations? And he said, well, he says, I, I don't know why I would want to mix them up at this particular stage. And so... He did not have Kyle Connor playing with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shipley. It was Nikolai Ehlers who, uh, would, uh, is, who is skating with them. And he had Patrick Lyonet, Kyle Connor, and Paul Stastny uh, as the, I don't know, I call them the 1A and 1B lines because I don't know that there's that much to separate between the two, to, to tell you the truth. But, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm an old fox, but I'm learning every day about analytics, so I've tried to get a little bit more uh, on, on track with that, Reed. And the one thing uh, that I would think is, you know, Paul Stastny's a pretty good defensive setter, and, and if there's, uh, you know, a, a chink in the armor of Mark Shifley's game, he could still be better five-on-five defensively. Nikolai Ehlers is thought to have be uh, thought to be the stronger defensive player uh, between he and Patrick Lyonet. So, from an analytics point of view, you know, it makes sense that you would have a slightly stronger defensive player, Nikolai Ehlers, than Kyle Connor. I guess I should say, uh, playing with Shifley and Wheeler, and then you put. Connor, whose game is is not where it needs to be defensively, maybe that'll change as his career progresses. But right now, you know, there's the feeling that he could be better defensively. So you put him with a stronger defensive player like Paul Stastny, and with Patrick Lyonet last year, Reed. You know, the one thing I'll say, and and it would be interesting for you to have somebody else on who watched him game in and game out, because. For my money, I thought Patrick Lyonet was a, played as complete a game last season as he has in his first four in the National Hockey League. I thought he became a far better 200-foot player. So everybody knows that the Winnipeg Jets have to be better defensively, five-on-five, five, if they're going to survive in this all-Canadian North Division or the, what, the Scotia Bank? The Scotia uh, Division, yeah. Canadian North uh, Division. If, if the Jets are going to survive and if they're going to you know, play their way into a top-four position to get in the playoffs, their play without the puck has to be better. So the little bit of maneuvering that we've seen in training camp uh, amongst the top six forwards, we'll see how that works out. They're going to be an interesting team to follow. I, I, I don't have them in the top four in the North Division, which I know is stupid because they might have the best goalie. I, there's, there's just too many question marks, and, the, and I don't think the defense is nearly as good as it was a couple of years ago. No, no. And, and you know, it was funny because uh, when Dave uh, got in touch with me to come on the air tonight, I was thinking, holy crows, you know, to a certain degree, uh, it, there hasn't been quite the surprise in Edmonton that there was in Winnipeg a year and a half ago when all of a sudden training camp started and Dustin Bufflin wasn't going to be there. But it's tough sledding, Reed, when you, you find out shortly before training camp starts that you're going to have to play without your number one defenseman. And let's face it, you know, I think Oscar Kleppbaum fits that bill for the Oilers, does he not? Yes, he was their number one defenseman, for sure. Yeah. Though on the power play, I th- actually think they have a better replacement, but they don't five on five. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. So, you know, and, and it's tough when you don't have 
the opportunity to get out there and get somebody to replace him. And then, you know, you also have the fact that they lost Tyler Myers and Ben Sherratt, who certainly played prominent roles for Vancouver and Montreal, respectively. So that was a big hit. I, I agree it's not a championship-caliber defense, but there is a lot of room for upside. You know, Sammy Niku is two years removed from being only the second rookie ever to win the AHL Eddie Shore Award as the top defenseman in that league. You know, and and while he hasn't been able to bring that to the National Hockey League level, uh, I think that you know there's there's still something there. There's no doubting his skill level. Can he learn to play a better defensive game? And for the first two days of training camp, now, this could change, and Paul Maurice did say today when he was asked about it that, you know, they still might uh, change up their defense pairs. But for the first two days, they, they've had Sammy Niku playing with Josh Morrissey, or paired up with him at least, uh, who is the Jets' number one defenseman. Now, the common theory is, and common sense would say that out eventually, you know, Morrissey is going to be reunited with Dylan DeMello. That's why they went hard after DeMello as an unrestricted free agent to form the number one defense pair. But if you can have Morrissey playing with Niku and you could pair up DeMello, who's been skating with Nathan Beaulieu, to try to at least get a little more, uh, you know, spread out the depth a little bit more on defense, and then Neil Pionk and Derek Forbert, and again, you know, Forbert is three years removed from when he played with Drew Doughty, but he has had that responsibility before, so you see if there's something there that can be rekindled. So it's not a defense. It They'll never get confused with the Colorado Avalanche, but I think that uh, this defense might be a little bit better, and also because they're starting this season, Reed, knowing exactly who they are and what they are. Uh, I mean, it it really was uh, chaos, I thought, at the beginning of last year, just because of all of the changes that had to be made. Yeah. Kelly, I'll let you focus on the game. I'll just leave you with this. The uh, Hockey Canada 50-50, which you can only buy in Alberta, the pot's now $12.85 million. <laughs> And they say Alberta is struggling economically. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We, we found some money under the cushions. It's all good. Yeah. Hey. yeah. You've, Campbell finally went out in his backyard and dug up the coffee, uh, the old coffee can, didn't he? Huh? <laughs> That's right. That's probably how he's buying his 50-50 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, appreciate the Jets update and the World Junior memories. Enjoy the gold medal game. You bet, Reed. Thanks for having me on as always. No score, Canada, USA, eight and a half minutes into the... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. First period, it's 7.51. Tonight, 
halfway through the first period, a little over halfway. Canada, USA, no score. Gold medal at Rogers Place. Canada out shooting the United States 7-4 so far in this one. I, I noticed all of a sudden at, uh, at 7.30 when the puck dropped, all of a sudden the, uh, the text line went quiet. Usually you get the odd text or two, even if it's a quiet night. Nope, 7.23, last text. Everybody's like, sorry, Wilkie, we're going to watch the game. <laughs> if you are out there, I appreciate it. Again, you can do both. You can have the sound down on the TV and listen to Inside Sports. I don't know if anybody's doing that. I could probably read Shakespeare and no one would notice. Yeah, some night we'll do that. Uh, tell you what, Oilers will be back at it at 10 tomorrow morning, still having two on-ice sessions at 10 and 1. We were talking uh, about defense there with Kelly Moore out of Winnipeg, and he commented on Oscar Clefbaum being done for the year with the Oilers. Darnell Nurse on filling the void left by Clefbaum. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a void. I think as a as a decor and as a group, uh, everyone's excited about uh, this season coming up. And obviously, when uh, when you lose a guy going into camp, there's nothing there's nothing fun about it, especially a guy um, as good as he is. But um, we you know we're we're excited to play. We're excited to to get this season going. And I think uh, you know a lot of his uh, a lot of things he does. We're gonna need to pick up a little bit by uh, by committee. But um, each guy can be better. And I think it's. Uh, it's definitely a challenge that we're all looking forward to, to taking on. And a uh, good chance in the slot for the United States. Devin Levi makes the save. Good, uh, Some good pressure here on this shift for the uh, for the United States. So, yeah, gold medal game continues. No score at Rogers Place. Now seven and a half minutes left in the first period. Finland won the bronze 4-1 over the United States. Or, uh, pardon me, over Russia. I'm just, I see, I know I'm getting all flustered because I want to go... <laughs> I want to go watch the game. The Oilers' regular season, of course, starts one week from tomorrow on the 13th. All the games on 6.30. Ched, next week's broadcast against the Canucks, 8 o'clock face-off. The face-off show will commence at 6. We look forward to bringing it to you. Thanks to our guests tonight. You heard from Kelly Moore, Jeff Wawitka, Kevin Lowe, Glenn Anderson. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Your studio operator is the one and only Kellen Kennedy. I'll talk to you tomorrow night at 6. Go Canada. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.